Hey, Christ community, thanks for letting me be a part of your spiritual journey today. Uh, before we jump into the message, I wanted to mention something new happening in our church. After months of working with a certain communications company, we finally have the capability of live streaming our services. So I'm excited to announce that starting next weekend, you will be able to watch our nine or 11 o'clock services live online in their entirety. You'll also be able to engage with staff and others online during the services if you'd like to do that. We will continue to have our on-demand worship service available if you prefer that experience. But our, our heart really is to provide various ways for people to connect with God and each other here at Christ Community by offering live streaming, on-demand, as well as in-person experiences. Also, as I mentioned last week, we finally did get our new app uh, released. So this app is designed to be a central way for anyone in our church family to find what they need. So if you haven't downloaded it yet, I encourage you to do so, maybe even right now. Um, I love this app. It has so many cool features and ways to engage with our entire church family. It's really geared for us as a family. So check it out. A couple of months ago, a friend of mine said he'd been watching this, this series on uh, Amazon Prime called Everest, which is this documentary of a group of people attempting to climb the tallest mountain in the world. And I've always been intrigued by stories of people trying to climb you know, Mount Everest and I've read books and stuff. So I thought I would check this out. Well, within a few minutes, I was totally hooked. I watched the entire first season on my day off. I, it was fascinating to see in detail the challenges people have to endure and overcome in order to get to the summit. I mean, the last stretch is this insane single file, incredibly dangerous section where you're in what they call the death zone. And that's this altitude in which your body can only last for a certain amount of time because of the lack of oxygen and the temperature is like 30 below. It was so stressful to watch this, but I couldn't stop. So one of the guys summited and he was heading back down. And on the way down in this death zone, he came across a climber who had had some difficulties and had crawled under a rock and was dying. I mean, there, there are dead, frozen people all over that mountain, but this man was still alive, barely. Um, and so the guy who saw him was radioing down to his guide, what do I do? I mean, there, there's no way to carry this person down. The path is so narrow, it would be physically impossible. And it's too high an altitude for a helicopter. <clears throat> and so, so he gave this man some of his oxygen, but even though the man was still breathing, he was basically unresponsive. And finally, the expert guide from below just told him on the radio, look, I'm sorry, but there is nothing you can do to help this man. In fact, the longer you stay with him, the less likely your own survival is. So after several minutes of trying to help, he finally continued down from the summit. When he got to base camp, he was weeping. He so wanted to be able to help this man live, but there was literally nothing he could do in that situation. One of the most heart-wrenching circumstances for a human being to be in is when we see someone in need and our heart is filled with compassion for them, but there is nothing we can do to help. I mean, compassion by its very definition involves action. Compassion is more than pity, you know, feeling sorry for someone. Compassion involves taking action to help alleviate this person's suffering. I mean, if we're in a situation where we feel compassion for someone in need and yet we can't do anything to help, one of two things happens. 
one, we either sink into an emotional depression, feeling overwhelmed with a situation that we can't do anything about, or two, we end up closing our heart, closing off our heart to this need. It's just too painful. So we stay busy. We try to forget about the situation and, and the need. Well, the problem with that last option is that our heart can begin to become calloused. We sort of become numb to a very real need. If you were to wake up tomorrow and see on the news, read in the news, look on the line, but you check the news out and you read that 100 jetliners had crashed yesterday and 26,000 people had died, you would be in shock. The world would be in shock and demanding answers. We all would be grieving the loss of life, having candlelight vigils, and understandably so. But what if I told you that yesterday, 26,000 children died from largely preventable causes related to their poverty? And that today, 26,000 more children are going to die. Unfortunately, those statistics are absolutely true. And yet, where is the outcry? Where is the grieving? Where are the demands for something to be done? The earth is capable of producing enough food for every person on this planet to eat 2,700 calories a day. And yet millions of children are trapped in an environment of poverty, lack of food, lack of clean water, lack of medicine for basic health needs. This isn't about them being lazy or unintelligent. This is about them having no other options because of the world they were born into, a world ravaged by famines and conflict and war and self-centeredness and greed. And COVID hasn't helped. I mean, estimates are that 100 million more people, in addition to all the millions that were already, <clears throat> 100 million more people will be living on less than $2 a day as a result of the pandemic. These numbers are staggering. But here's our struggle. I mean, when we hear statistics like this, the problem feels overwhelming. It feels so overwhelming that our initial feeling of compassion gets quickly stifled by our realization that this problem is just too big for us to do anything about. We find ourselves feeling a bit like that climber on Mount Everest who in his heart wanted to help, but realized the problem was too big. He couldn't do anything to help. We end up having to shut our heart down and just focus on our own situation. But when we do that, we diminish our experience as image bearers of God. When God was just beginning to reveal himself to Moses in Exodus 34 to let Moses know what kind of, you know, what kind of God he was really like or, the, or God was like, here's how, he introduced, here's how God introduced himself. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Notice the first word God uses to describe himself after giving us his personal name, Yahweh, the Lord. First word he uses, compassionate. This is the first thing God wants his people to know about him. He is compassionate. This word compassion from a biblical perspective means to be so, it's to be so moved in our heart by someone's need that we do something to help. This is who God is in his being. This is how he describes himself. So then when Jesus, God in the flesh, comes on the scene, guess how he is described? Matthew 9, check this out. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. 
when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus, the exact representation of God, is described as being compassionate. And we then see in this passage exactly what that means. It means his heart goes out to the harassed, the helpless, those who are victims of injustice, and he helps them. And then in the last verse, he urges us to be a part of that mission. This is God's heart. This is the heart of God, and this is the heart that he wants us to demonstrate to this world, a heart of compassion that takes action when it sees a need. Which brings us back to this dilemma, the statistics about global poverty and the impact on children that stir, stir in our hearts compassion, and yet these things make us feel overwhelmed. This can feel so overwhelming that we easily just kind of close our heart to the need. I mean, what can we possibly do to make a difference? Well, I have some incredible news for you. You can make a difference in the life of a real child in poverty. No, we can't solve the whole problem of children in poverty any more than the Good Samaritan could stop all robberies from happening. But what we can do, what you can do, is make a very real difference in the life of a very real child, a child who has a name, a child who through no fault of their own is experiencing the physical and emotional trauma of poverty, a child who desperately wants to go to school, a real child who desperately wants to know he or she is loved and is seen and is going to be okay. What I just described is something that you and I can actually make happen through an amazing thing known as child sponsorship. We are, we are partnering with Compassion International, which is an incredibly trustworthy and Christ-centered organization that is now helping over 2 million children around the world by facilitating these sponsorships. So in child sponsorship, you or your family are paired with a specific child in need. No one else has that child. It's your child. You're, you're, you're paired with a specific child in need. And through a monthly gift of $38, you help provide food, clean water, medical care, educational opportunities, and the opportunity to build a relationship with God. Plus, you get to develop a loving relationship with that child where you can send them letters and photographs. You can get to know them and share the love of Jesus with them. In sponsoring a child in this way, you can change the trajectory of their entire life. I want you to watch a conversation I recently had with a man named Samuel, who at one time was a child in poverty in the Dominican Republic. And in the midst of that desperate situation, he got connected to a sponsor through Compassion International. I'll let him tell his story. Hey, Samuel, uh, thanks for uh, being with us. So we just wanted to ask you a few questions about your experience. It sounds like you were a, um, a sponsored child um, with Compassion International in uh, the Dominican Republic, which is where you grew up. So could you tell us a little bit about your life in the Dominican Republic as a, as a child? Yes, well, thank you so much for the beautiful opportunity to uh, share my story. 
I was a child that was sponsored through Compassion, but I, before that, I was in a real battle in my country, in the Dominican Republic. And it was a battle against something I call a monster, because to me, it is a monster, and that's the monster of poverty. My life in the Dominican Republic was fighting against poverty every single day. My mom, she was 23 years old when uh, my dad, who was only 25 years old, passed away. He was a pastor. He was a missionary in a small community, and um, but he passed away due to cancer. And I was only six months. And because of that, my mom and I had to struggle and live uh, in extreme poverty. And poverty is very difficult to define here in the U.S. Um, uh, for, for us, poverty meant that we, we didn't know if we we're going to have breakfast in the morning. Uh, we, we didn't know if we we're going to have lunch or dinner. Um, for me, poverty meant that at the age of five, my mom had to send me to the streets of my little town to sell cornbread. So my mom used to wash the neighbor's clothes by hand and she would get some money and then she would buy corn and make cornbread and I would sell the cornbread. And on the streets of Luperon, the kids would come to me and, and laugh at me and tell me, you're just a cornbread seller. You're good for nothing, you're nobody. And then I would come back to my mom crying, mom, what do I have to be selling on the streets at the age of five? I had broken shoes on the streets. We didn't have water in our house. So I have to carry water from far away. Uh, poverty to, to, to us and to me was not just the lack of the finances. Uh, it was a lack of hope, of believing that I was nobody, of believing and thinking that God had abandoned us. Um, many times I had to go to school with uh, with empty stomach. Um, many times I had to go to school with no school supplies. Um, and just believing that God had abandoned us was was the worst of poverty. And, and thinking that my, my that God had taken away my father, I had I was blaming God. God, you took away my dad, and this is why we are struggling. Uh, one time, I found my mother crying, and I asked my mother, "Mommy, why are you crying?" And I asked mommy. I she she told me, "I'm crying because I have nothing to offer you." And I remember one of the many times that we uh, didn't have things to eat. Um, we, that day in, for lunch, we, we didn't have anything to eat. So my mom brought me together and we hold hands and we started to pray, God, can you please provide something for us to eat today? And then all of a sudden God showed up um, through a sweet lady from church and she came with 10 plantains and two eggs. And I was literally jumping excited because I couldn't believe it that God would answer a prayer right away. And then my mom being so, so gracious and being man, so amazing, she said, Samuel, I want you to take these two plantains, these green bananas to Sister Luz. Take these two to Sister Justina. They take these two to Sister Maria. And then I was freaking out because I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the math. So I'm like, okay, so what are we gonna eat tomorrow? And then my mom said very patiently, Samuel, it is better to give than to receive. And after that, Pastor Alan and I started to say that God always provides. And uh, poverty was that, lack of hope, lack of finances, lack of education, that's poverty. And he's a monster that is killing people yeah. and a monster that is winning the battle to many children. And that was a little bit about my life before uh, learning about compassion. Wow, so what, what happened? I mean, what changed in your life in terms of that situation of poverty? It was amazing because uh, uh, was one, the first thing that I learned is that God never abandoned his children. He never abandoned his children. He's always there for us. And he showed me that his love through my sponsor, my sponsor, Terry from Canada, sweet lady, gray hair. She probably heard about compassion, maybe saw a picture of me in a packet like this and decided to, to sponsor me and choose me. And she wrote letters to me. 
And there was a letter that changed my life. And sometimes we think it's all about money. But the letter that she sent me said like this, Samuel, you may not have your biological father alive, but you have an eternal father. And you could become whoever you want to be in Jesus' name. My dream was to, my, my mom's dream really was for me to finish primary school or to finish high school. And my dream was to go to college and become a recording engineer and musician, but poverty told me I was not good enough mm-hmm. and that I was gonna end up like my friends living in the streets. But Terry was the person God used to change my life. And she prayed for me and she told me, I am your second mother. And I wrote back to her. This was not a transaction experience. This was a relational experience. And through Compassion, which is a ministry that releases children from poverty in Jesus' name and works in 25 different countries, through this ministry, I was able to receive meals, school supplies, uniforms, uh, the health care. I was able to receive the love from my local church. And the best of all, I was able to receive the love from my sponsor that empowered me and told me that God never abandons his children and that told me that I could become whoever I wanted to be. I was able to go to college, finish college and get a bachelor's degree. And now I I am able to bless others and give by grace uh, of what I have received. So it really was, it really was that relationship that kind of, um, became a pivotal uh, change in your life, a direction changing experience in your life? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. My brother who was also a struggle, so he used to shine shoes on the streets of Luperon, of my little town. And he was sponsored by a 14 year old girl that decided not to have her cell phone. And he, she decided to sponsor Tony. Tony became a computer programmer. And Tony right now is the national director of compassion in the Dominican Republic where we serve 70,000 children and where we partner with 200 local churches. Wow. Everything we do with Compassion in 25 different countries is done through the local church. And last year alone, more than 125,000 children came to Christ through this ministry. That is awesome. You know, I think there's a just a little built-in skepticism sometimes uh, that some of us have, some, you know, just in terms of, oh, you know, this money doesn't really, I'll sponsor a child, but the money doesn't really go to a, you know, a specific child or whatever. Um, can you speak to that and just kind of even broader, what kind of an impact can a church like ours have in a region um, um, through, through uh, just compassion and, and this ministry? Oh my goodness. It's, it's, it's an incredible impact. And when you think of compassion, we, we work, the, we, um, we do the model of 80, 20, so minimum compassion is committed to give 80% uh, of $1, $1, 80% goes to the children program to make sure that it happens. And the 20% is divided in administration, fundraising, and, uh, and staff. So, uh, but, but thinking about how it works, the money works, it not only goes to me, they don't only transform me as a child, but it, it impacts the whole family. You know, in my time when, when we were having Christmas, for example, my, my family was invited to join us, to have a meal. And, and when you think about a family that struggles, that doesn't have a job, that specifically right now during COVID, that they don't have anything, having a program that supports their children and their family, right now, Compassion is going to the houses to bring meals and, 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 and food to the families. A lot of families are struggling to pay their rent and Compassion is supporting them. And this is sold through the help of the sponsorship of people that believe in that. We could, we could start, you start with a child, one child changing his life, and you could change communities. 
You could change a country. You could change the world. Now, God is doing that, and he's using us to do that. Now, my wife and I will sponsor six children, and we get to experience compassion a different way, engaging my own children. I have two children on sponsoring kids and writing letters and getting to meet their children. My two kids got to meet their two sponsor kids in the Dominican Republic, and they hugged each other, and they cried. And my, my, my daughter, who's, who's eight years old, sponsored Mirene, who's 10 years old, and she calls her her sister, and she prays for her. My son sponsors Diego. Now it is, it is not just a tool to change somebody's life. Now it is changing my own children's life because I'm discipling them through this wonderful ministry. So it goes way far away than just sending $38 a month, sending it's $1.25 a day to a child. It's transformational to both ends. I love that. I love that. It transforms that child and that family and that community and also us, our family, our community. So that is so cool. Samuel, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Um, we are encouraged and uh, just appreciate you so much. Continue the good work that you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. And I can't wait to see your church sponsoring all these children from Peru and going back to Peru and seeing their faces, praying for them and allowing them to pray for you. I want to thank you in the name of all these children. Thank you for sponsoring these kids and thank you for making the difference and changing the lives of the world. What an amazing story from a child in absolute poverty, not knowing where his next meal will come from, to now being a college graduate and father who is giving his life to help other children find hope. I mean, Samuel now works for Compassion International. I mean, does child sponsorship really make a difference? You just saw the answer to that question. The trajectory of Samuel's entire life was completely changed by a relationship that began with a woman in the United States whose heart was touched by a need and she said yes to being a sponsor. That one decision by this ordinary follower of Jesus to take this step of action resulted in an incredible ripple effect. I mean, think of the ripples of impact that happened. First of all, Samuel's life was impacted in a profound way. I mean, no longer having to wander the streets, scavenging for food when he really wanted to be in school. He began to receive food and clothing and education, medical care, which enabled him to eventually get a college degree. And now he's serving with compassion, impacting hundreds of other children. I mean, so that's one significant ripple, but there are others. I mean, what about the impact on Samuel's mom? Can you imagine being a parent who is not able to feed your children? How do you think Samuel's mom's heart was, was impacted knowing that her, chil her child didn't have to go on the streets anymore to find food? Knowing that as a single mom, she was not alone in raising Samuel. There were other adults in his life who also loved him and were pouring into him. And how do you think his sponsor was impacted as she saw her generosity change the life of this precious child of God and how his life is now impacting so many others. I mean, we're talking about a generational impact. I, I love how in this story, Samuel talked about how his own, his family, his children, his family is now sponsoring some children and the huge impact that's having on his own kids. They're, they're, they're saving money to give to this child in need. They're praying for this child. They're able to visit this child. I mean, what an impact on the life of our children 
to see compassion in action and not just to see their parents doing it, but to actually be a part of that kind of love being demonstrated through letters and prayers and, and, and giving financially. Your, your child, your children can be profoundly impacted by this opportunity to give to another specific child, to a specific child in need. The ripples that occur from a child being sponsored are huge, but the impact of these ripples can be even greater than that. One of the things that got me so excited about this partnership with Compassion International was when I realized that we as a church could adopt an entire community, a particular community, and Compassion International would help us identify all the children in that local community who are in need of food, clothing, education, healthcare, <clears throat> all the children who need a sponsor. So rather than our church you know, sponsoring children that are in various places around the world, imagine the impact if our church said, hey, look, we're going to adopt this community, this particular 50-mile radius area, and we're going to do all we can to make sure every child in that community is in a sponsoring relationship with someone in our church. So that's what we're announcing today. We as a church have adopted an area outside of Lima, Peru, known as Colique. No other church has adopted this area. We have the unique privilege of pouring into this area the compassionate love of Jesus in tangible ways. Now, that obviously begins with child sponsorship. Right now, there are 63 children in that local community that are needing a sponsor. And in the surrounding area, there are 320 more children needing a sponsor. So a total of 383 children in this community, in this radius that we've identified. Now, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is within reach, but wouldn't it be amazing if our church was able to make sure that every child in this 50 mile radius of Colique was in a sponsoring relationship with someone in our church. That would be amazing. But it gets even better than that. By adopting this community and area, suddenly we as a church can build a long-term partnership with that entire community, helping the churches that are there. Compassion International only works through local churches. They have great relationships with local churches. And we, in fact, we already have a part. This is one reason we chose this area. We already have a partnership with one of these churches in that area through our International Training Institute. So this is a picture of Juan, um, who is the pastor of the church that we're in partnership in this, in this, this, this area, the city. He and his wife, he's there with his wife, Jessica. They are both trainers in our International Training Institute. So they're, they're doing these International Training Institutes, training people. So we've been partnering with them. We've known them for years. We love these guys. So imagine what can happen in this whole area, this whole region there. If we start sending mission teams to help out in whatever way that community needs, building buildings or creating parks or doing evangelism or sports camp, Imagine the impact. And then those who go on those trips, they'll have the opportunity to meet the child that they're sponsoring. And they can get to know the family. I mean, friends, the ripple effect of this could be astounding, not only in that region, but also in our own hearts as we take tangible steps to respond to the problem of global poverty by adopting this particular area in Peru. All of that amazing future vision starts today 
with the opportunity for each one of us to prayerfully consider sponsoring a child in Colique, Peru, beginning a relationship with a real child in need, putting our compassion into action. Again, this could be an amazing discipleship opportunity for your children to engage in generosity and as, you, as, you, as you as a family kind of figure out how you can carve out $38 a month in order to change the life of a child. For some of us, we could find $38 a month just by calling Comcast or whatever carrier we use and asking them for their best deal or by canceling a monthly subscription we rarely use. Again, the impact could be huge on the life of a child. And you can sponsor more than one child if that's something God lays on your heart. Now, I realize that some of you are already sponsoring children in other areas with compassion, which is awesome. Don't feel any need to change that at all. But there are many of us here who are not involved in child sponsorship, and God is perhaps laying on our heart the desire to do so. Raylene, Josh, and I just sponsored Jose last week. Here's a picture of Jose. Um, he lives in, in Colique. Um, we are thrilled. We found out Jose loves soccer and he loves toy cars and singing songs. Josh is so excited to have a new friend. You know, in the process of sponsoring Jose, we noticed that just kind of on the website, looking at the children in this area, that many of the children who have been identified in Colique as needing a sponsor, many of them have been waiting for hundreds of days hundreds of days for a sponsor. So maybe today, God is calling you to be the one who removes one of those children from the waiting list. Compassion International has made the process of sponsoring a child incredibly simple. You can click on the link provided and go to a website with pictures of these precious children in Colique. This is a website, just a portion of this website just for our, our church. You can go look at pictures of children in Colique and you can choose to sponsor one of those children. Or you can simply text the number on your screen and a specific child in Colique will be provided for you. Now, please know that if you do decide the text option, if you text that number, and in the process, a child comes up and then you decide not to sponsor that child. That child actually goes to the back of the line and has to wait until all the other children have been sponsored before their name will come up again on our list. And I know that is not any of our hearts. So again, if you, if you choose the texting option, if you text the number, you're trusting that God will connect you with the child he wants you to have. Once you enter in your information, either on your phone or on the, 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 the link through your computer, you'll be connected in a relationship with that specific child, helping provide them food, clean water, educational opportunities, and the opportunity to hear about Jesus, which is awesome. You will, within about three weeks, you'll receive an official packet from Compassion International and can begin communicating with your child. And by the way, Com uh, Compassion International has an amazing app that you can use to help facilitate that communication, um, even send gifts on their birthdays or, or whatever. Um, just lots of things you can do on the Compassion app. Now, I realize that for, for some of us, we may not be in a place financially where we can sponsor a child, which is totally fine. There is no pressure. to You can pray for Kalike. There's no pressure to do this. 
We do have a donor who is willing to pay for the first few years of a sponsorship for someone who is unable to do that financially right now, but would still love to love on a child in this way. So if that's you, reach out to me and we can try and make that happen. For others of you, you may be involved financially in other kingdom areas. God's calling you to, and, 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 and we just want, don't want you to feel any um, pressure. If you don't feel any leading to do this right now, there's no pressure. It's totally cool. I am just excited about the opportunity we have as a church to make a significant, eternal difference in the lives of hundreds of of children in Kolike, and, and then the ripple impact of that. And I'm asking you, I'm asking all of you who are watching this, I'm asking you to pray about whether or not God would want you to sponsor one of these precious children who matter to him. Last week, we talked about our vision to be for all people. What an amazing opportunity this is for us to be for children in global poverty. I can't wait to see how this is going to unfold over the next few years as we as a church family invest our hearts, our resources, and our prayers into this community that God loves. It's going to be amazing. Let's pray together. So I want us to start, I just want to lead you in a few responses here. I want us to start by just taking a moment, and could all of us, just in the quiet of our heart, could we pray for the 383 children in Kolike who are needing sponsors? Just pray for these children. Pray for their parents. Father, we lift up this community to you, this community of Kolike, and each child there who is needing a sponsor, who is, who is in poverty and in need, we lift them up to you. We pray for your provision and for your work in their lives and this whole community. So now as we're in this attitude of prayer, I want, I want all of us just to take a moment and ask God if sponsoring a child is something, or a few children, if sponsoring a child is something that he would want you to do. So just ask him, Jesus, is this something you want me to do? So if the answer is yes, then I want to give you an opportunity right now. Just respond right now um, to this. Um, so you can, you can just pause the recording here. You can click on your computer, the link on your computer, and then you can choose a child there. Or you can text the number and a child will be given to you. But I encourage you, just hit pause on the recording and let's make this happen. Let's impact the lives of these children. So Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love for us and your love for these children and this community of Kolike and the opportunity for us to demonstrate compassion 
in a tangible way. I thank you for all those who have said yes to sponsorship. Would you encourage them? Would you give them wisdom in, in maybe figuring out how to come up with the $38 a month, creative ways, bless them. And I pray that their generosity would impact not only this child, but their own hearts. You would bless those relationships that are being established. And Father, I want to pray too for those who are in a, just a financial situation where they can't respond to this right now. They want to, but they can't. And, it, and you, you know them. You see them. I, I pray. No shame, no guilt, Lord. I, I pray just for your gracious provision in their lives financially and all the needs that they have, that you would be at work and they would know that you are Lord and that you love them. And we thank you, God, that we are a part of a church here that is wanting to be for all people and just looking for ways to move towards people with compassion. We thank you for this opportunity and all the other ways that this is happening. So we love you. Continue to use us as a church to make an impact in the lives of people in need. We love you, Lord. We offer ourselves to you, our hearts to you. We offer our worship to you because you are worthy of that. In Jesus' name.